0: Good evening uh welcome back to ordinary people uh we're gathered again in the same bunch uh, we've got to have a we have a andrew at the controls hi he's also he's also going to be uh leading the conversation as well uh neil's here as well so i am here
1: but it's a bit sad that i'm not going to be uh, taking charge now but i'm happy to sit back and listen here
0: looking forward <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh andrew's going to introduce his friend attila so Andrew, do you want to introduce, please? Yep. So um
2: this is Atilla Vago, um, very good friend of mine. Really pleased to have him on the on the podcast today. Um we <laughs> we set a very very easy topic for him, which is digital responsibility. Um so we'll we'll see where <laughs> we'll see where this goes. Um for anyone who knows us, um Paul and I and Attila are all pretty techy Neil it's safe to say is not and I think proudly so so he's going to be our um he, he's going to be the the audience observer today we <laughs> keep us on the straight and narrow and uh and and stop us if we go too far anyway, I said before we started that he's gonna be like our canary in the coal mine so when we see him keel over we know we have to we have to stop and wind it back a bit but I'm really glad to have you on Neil Thanks, guys. This is going to be fun. And and then Attila, um, thanks for coming on.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: Um, i was saying we have, uh, we'd probably all be, um, if we were left without Neil, we'd probably be a couple, three old men talking about how the internet was better back in our day. But why don't we start off with you telling us a bit about back in your day. Tell us uh, a bit about yourself.
3: Okay, um, well, back in my day, I suppose that goes back to the 80s. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm originally from uh, from Romania, or, or some would call it Transylvania, uh, depends on how Hungarian they feel. Um, and then for those who, who don't don't exactly know the ge- geography of Romania, um, Transylvania is actually part of Romania, but used to be part of Hungary, and uh, now you'd find a lot of uh, ethnically Hungarian people in Romania. But I, I always wanted to leave home because uh, one has to make their own home. So, yeah, I ended up uh, in various countries. And uh, for the last nine or s- nearly 10 years, I've been on on this uh, Emerald Isle. Um, I've been both North and South. And now I'm in the South, in Dublin. But uh, I've lived also three and a half years in, in Belfast. Worked for a number of tech companies and also a car company just to uh jazz things up, uh though I know nothing about cars and I will happily admit that. Um and I admitted that when I when I when I applied for the job as well and they said it doesn't matter. So so yeah, I'm I'm a soft senior software engineer, uh work a lot a lot of, uh, on accessibility as well. Uh, and I'm just a general tech nerd uh who likes technology and uh likes to use it the right way in an increasingly
2: technological world just getting back to your um some of the places you've been so you you have you know, i think at this point you have probably lived everywhere except rich hill and i know a lot of the people we've had on the podcast are all from rich hill <laughs> every time i get to talk to somebody it seems it's it's the person that's not from rich hill so i had somebody from belfast and now i got somebody from a bit further afield but you've been you've lived in belfast um you started with the best ireland first uh, and then you moved to dublin um I love something you said a few years ago about um, how how Dublin feels like home to you. How you were most identified as being Irish before you realized what that meant. Yeah,
3: yeah, it, it yeah, it, it's it's kind of funny looking back because um, before I even got to to this island, uh, regardless of was it Belfast or or Dublin, um, I I started watching a lot of uh, Irish music videos such as uh, Celtic Women, um, Celtic Thunder, and a few others. And I, I genuinely love the music. And uh, it, it's funny to find myself on that actual island that, that this music comes from. Um, so, of course, I lived in Belfast for three and a half years, and it was fine. I mean, I, I did at one point even think of, uh, of, of, you know, settling there for the long term. Uh, but then things changed, and uh, well, it, it's technically thanks to Andrew that I ended up uh, in in Dublin. And while living in Belfast, I never really thought of living in Dublin, and it, it kind of scared me a little bit um, moving down south. Uh, and but then I and I started working here; it, it felt like just just the right place to be. Um, and uh, within three months, I, I moved here.
2: It's uh, it's hard to believe that um. How long it's been since we met
3: yeah it's uh what it's five six seven or so
2: years something like that now uh, and i think um i think part of what helped form our friendship was uh was that sort of deep-seated love for technology you know, not just not just working on it but you know working with it and hacking it and making it do things it's not meant to do and just the 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 joy that comes from taking things apart and figuring it out. And, um, and I know not everyone gets that, but, um, I think that was, that's, that's one of the things I think that, that helped, um, helped us get to know each other.
3: It definitely helped. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, when I think when it comes to, to friendship between men, it, it, it really does come down to, to hobbies and, and interests. Um, yeah, I, and I think, you know, the way the way you like to hack around and, and tinker with things, same same is true for me. Um, and, and definitely when when we worked together, it, it was a lot of, you know, a lot about that, you know, just just trying to see what works best. Yeah.
2: And, and that, uh, that's a good segue, seeing what works best into, into the topic. Um, so digital responsibility, um, it's a very broad, it's a very broad topic. So you could be talking about that at a personal level, a corporate level, a civic level. Um, you could even talk about digital responsibility in terms of you know uh, yourself or your responsibility towards others. But what what does it mean towards you? What was your I suppose whenever I I mentioned the topic to you, what was your f- your first reaction? What was what popped into your head?
3: Yeah, um, you know. We, we call it digital responsibility but at the end of the day if if you really look at it it just, does come down to just responsibility and then if you if you look at it from that perspective I can kind of think of two, three things that uh, you know digital responsibility means to me uh, first of all common sense secondly uh, good manners and thirdly good education and and the order is not entirely uh you know, important here, but um, you would use these three elements in 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 everyday life on a daily basis. You know, um, you don't go out shouting at people and calling them names on the street randomly. Uh, the same the same the same applies on on you know from a from a digital perspective as well. You know, you go online and if you start doing that you know shouting at people randomly and calling them names, that's irresponsible behavior. And you know, it, it shows that you don't have good manners. Um well or, or education, you know, um you, you wouldn't you wouldn't print out the leaflet uh with with false information and start giving it to people. Or most people wouldn't anyway. Um, you know, the same way you, you you don't you shouldn't share information on the on the on the internet um that is that is that is false. So you know you, you, you tend not to uh, make a habit of lying in the in the real world, if so, you don't do that in the digital world as well. um So yeah, the, the, these these three things are are what kind of digital responsibility means to me. It, it's it's kind of taking the same responsibility you take in the real world, and you know uh, translate that your digital presence.
2: I think that's that's something that that it's quite a, it's it's a bit of an oddity, isn't it? That you know. You mentioned that yeah you, know, you wouldn't shout at somebody in the street, but yet there's an awful lot of shouting and calling names on the internet, and you'd you'd be embarrassed you'd be disgraced if you did that outside um although I must say that I was walking through Rich Hill one day and um you know somebody shouted out the window at someone else that I was with, and they shouted back, and apparently that's just normal in Rich Hill. Um, <laughs> be
3: careful, Andrew. But was in communication, or were they calling them names?
2: Oh, they were calling them names. They were calling okay. them names. <laughs> um, but that, that's that's maybe Rachel. Hill. Rachel Hill can jump in and defend itself if it wants.
1: <laughs> Andrew, you have to be careful. That is your head in the dodge territory with
2: that. Because I know that I've offended you, Neil. I'll
0: apologise because that's, the that's that's good
1: manners that's good manners and you're showing a lack of education here with a uh, in that way
2: but that's 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 the thing with the internet though is is there is there is this tendency to to just um you know say whatever you want there's 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 no filter and and i don't i don't know where that necessarily comes from um you mentioned education there that has been one of the kind of one of the yeah. things. What, um, what would you say to somebody who said, well, this technology stuff, I don't understand it. I I do not know. I wasn't meant to say things like that. I didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't meant to, you know, spread lies on the internet or insult people. I didn't know how to do this. What would you say to someone with that sort of attitude?
3: Well, you know, um, attitudes are, are are the result of, of of things we either got used to or or things we the way we understand the world around us um it, it depends on you know on the age and the background of the person um in in Romania there's this saying that if you translate it into english it comes uh, it kind of translates to seven years of home what that actually tries to say is that um back back in in, in eastern europe most countries you'd start school at at the age of seven and you're kind of expecting that between the age of one and seven your parents teach you some things like you know manners and a little bit of common sense just the bare basics to to function in 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 society um so you know now that kids are picking up technology very early um this is something that i would i would see parents um you know teaching their children you know um just like you don't call someone Names on the street. You don't. You don't. You don't. Uh, you know, call someone names on the on the internet either. Um, so you know, if if it's a, if it's a child, then you still have that space to to educate. If it's a, if it's an adult, it becomes it becomes a lot more uh, a lot more difficult. So um, then you know, I, I wouldn't say the, the ship has sailed, but it, it's a lot more difficult to to keep someone out of their existing habit and 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 turn it into a new one, and this is where I suppose um, a little bit of, of a little bit of regulation can help you know how websites are being uh, you know uh, like for example, back in the day, you'd go on a forum and the forum would have moderators. I was actually a moderator on a, on a very large website back in Romania for for a few years and uh, you know if, if someone said something that wasn't fit for the topic even, you know, they were off topic. The message was deleted. Um, there was that kind of censorship. And they were this way they were educated. They, of course, you, you tell them first, you cannot do, you cannot go off topic. Uh, but if they wouldn't listen and wouldn't learn, then you'd start deleting the posts. Um, and and that's, you know, you'd see a lot of most people would learn. You know, they would understand what off topic means if they didn't know before. Um, and and kind of uh you know get used to what the rules and the norms are are around using the using the web
2: i think um i mean it's not it's not the computers or even the web are a new thing i mean they have been around for quite a while you know even in northern Ireland, we've had it for twenty twenty five plus years um I'm trying to, I'm trying to think back to the kind of the big the big boom. I was back it was in school and everyone started jumping online with things like FreeServe. It was kind of the the explosion. Um and that was the that was the start of it. And that was the late I know different parts of the world and, and maybe different places in the country. You know, people were were online earlier, but that was kind of a big a big boom. And you know very early on you would hear stories about kids who had ran up massive phone bills for example because they'd been been online. Now for anyone that is listening that is under the age of 30 um, it used to be that if you wanted to go on the internet <laughs> Paul I'm going to put you on screen so you can do a little gesture again just can you <laughs> well,
0: I, I'm still under 30 uh, but I only have a month left so I, I'll, I'm i in, I'm in your club still
2: <laughs> You mean you're still in the 30 bracket you mean not not
0: under 30? Oh yeah, I'm thirty. I'm in my thirties. Yeah, sorry.
1: No. I thought you. Were, I thought you were going to get Paul to like use his musical talent to do the like this. What do you call that sound? The dial-up sound.
2: I thought he was going to do. A <laughs> motor- <laughs> <Well. Yeah. laughs> you had to. You had to. You had to plug your computer into your telephone. You could yes. use your phone, or it would knock you off the internet. It had to phone up the internet, and you were paying by the minute, by, by whatever, to the, the phone number that your computer called to get you online. And, and back then, so this is the late 90s, um, people were running up massive bills. And I was one of those people. <laughs> not, not, not so massive that there was ever a newspaper article written, but I know that I do remember it was at least two, three hundred pound phone bill one month, and um, my parents hit the roof. Um, <laughs> I was young. Digital responsibility, Paul. Um, this this was the this was the start of it. And you know, my parents quickly learned that um, you know you have to put a cap on these things. I learned that you have to do that. Now that was, you know, twenty-five odd years ago. Even now, you know, today you're hearing stories about you know, kids who have run up massive um yeah massive bills on the parents' phones, three in-app purchases or buying movies or, you know, buying V-Bucks and Fortnite or whatever it is, it's no different than it was, you know, with massive phone bills 25 years ago. Why? And and any of you (laughs) can jump in. Why have we not figured this out yet?
3: We have. We have. I'm not sure why uh, people in Northern Ireland haven't done this, but... um, It's not just Northern Ireland. (laughs) <laughs> okay, are, yeah i know i know um but um i i had dial up internet for a while as well and uh of course i knew it, it cost uh tons of money to to be on the internet for a long time so um what i did uh, we had these prepaid cards that you could buy it basically was a you know uh, a card that you bought for x amount of money and uh then you, you had a code on it and you could use it to get online and once the money ran out, you were offline. You know, um, so I used my pocket money and uh, to buy those cards. And you know, sometimes they would last me two hours. Sometimes it would last me ten hours, depending on the on the money I spent on the cards. But it was my pocket money. It never, it, it, you know, it never really affected the phone bill. So uh, you know, I suppose I was more responsible. I wonder I wonder
2: if that's a western Europe versus eastern Europe thing there where we we're just all a little bit too spoiled here in the west.
3: I you know, look if we are to be really serious about this I I think that uh, the market in in eastern Europe realized that you know um they they can't exactly expect people to pay tons and tons of cash uh for for dial-up so they kind of gave this more affordable approach uh, where you you know you'd buy bits and bits of internet for a few minutes or a few hours and uh, you know it would it would uh I, I still think it helped the 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 you know the internet culture grow in Eastern Europe and then it and then quickly after dialogue with Romania and Hungary actually became and especially Romania became one of the countries with the highest bandwidth of internet early on. Um, I remember we had gigabit internet many years before the UK even or, or Ireland even knew what that looked like, and 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 Romania still has very very high bandwidth internet
2: at very very low cost. And well, I guess that's that's the that's what you get whenever you, you know you're you know you're, you invest in it early and 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 people are you know invested in the. know in the technology as well and you know using it properly
3: yeah uh my some of my schoolmates uh, had fiber internet when i was in high school
2: so thinking about using technology properly um do not just you know not just the internet um i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here um but is is there really a right way and a wrong way to use technology? Can not just use it whatever way you want? Sure, who who's it going to hurt?
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean technically you can use everything any way you like, but yeah, there, there is a right way and the and the and the wrong way, but it takes time to find out what that is. Well, um, I,
2: realize, I realize me saying that is a bit like you know, like saying that about you know chainsaws. You know, it's like I don't need to read the manual; I can use this whatever way I
3: want. Yes. But then you, then you bring risks upon yourself to, to, you know, to harm yourself or others around you. Um, and, and the manuals exist because other people have kind of tried before to use them the wrong way and they, well, failed. Um, so now you have the manual to, to kind of evangelize all that information to everyone else who tries to use it the wrong way.
2: This is like the uh, caution, contents may be hot.
3: <laughs> yeah now I would I would, you know you'd expect common sense to to also uh, help you out there um, this is you know going back to what I was saying common sense good manners and education um, you know you see something sharp the first thing you do is you don't start you know poking at yourself with it
2: um, a couple of weeks ago um, we had a guest on the show Donna who I was talking to about, about disability and um, I know you work, you mentioned earlier, you work um, in the field of accessibility, which is something that I'm very passionate about as well. But just want you to um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, and because when I said like, you know, who can it hurt? I think you could probably give an example of, of you know, how just doing something the wrong way or doing something the way you think it is okay it will actually have a, a serious impact for people.
3: Yeah, so I uh, was it was I think two years ago. Um, I I called the the current web uh, called it like a digital holocaust um, because it's basically excluding a very very high number of people around roughly speaking around the billion. Um, and that's that's a very high number if you, if you consider that we're nearly at eight billion people at the at the moment on this planet um, 98 or so percent of the current web is is just not accessible um it, it's not it's not usable by disabled folks um, which which points to the the problem that um, they are trying to use it the right way but it was built the wrong way, um, and and you know if designers and developers uh, and and companies develop these applications and these websites out there that um, that are not not adhering to certain standards uh, that already have been created and and have been around for many many years uh, since kind of the dawn of the of the web really. Um, it yes you can you can have definitely say that there's a wrong way to do uh, and there, and to to the point of the of today's uh, podcast you know also uh an irresponsible way of developing something for the web um if 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 I create my site and blind people cannot understand what 's on it then what's the point really um i'm I, i'm all i 'm then, then you know, my my side may as well just say uh, I don't care about blind people. Uh, you know, I don't consider um, uh, disabled people as uh, as being on the same human existence level that everybody else. Is, which is, uh, you know, it's 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 you know, it's it's way beyond uh, irresponsible. It's it's just creating creating such a division between humans that that you know, it it to me it brings to mind the you know the the David Star that was used back back uh back in in, in World War, uh of differentiating people and then you know um giving them or barring them from certain uh possibilities that the world should otherwise give them.
2: And people might think um you know that okay that maybe that's a bit a bit extreme, but if you think about what we use the internet for now. You know you know, it's not just, you know, reading the news, although that it's in itself is important, but you know, the online banking, shopping in this past year, there's been, you know, a surge in, in communication online. even, you know, us on this podcast now, you know, we're, we're we, we, we would've done this in person, but we're, we're doing this online, everything, um, or that there's been such a massive jump in people using online services that if you don't cater for people with additional needs, that then they are they are like you say they are being cut off from parts of of society.
3: Yes, but and and, and you know when you say additional needs, and and I think this is uh, we say this because we are we it's kind of muscle memory to say it. But technically that shouldn't matter because they have needs and I have needs and everyone else has their own needs. Uh, you know, developing something and, and putting out on the web an application or a website that's accessible, it's, it, it helps everyone. You know, um, when you can fill out a form without moving the mouse around uh, 10 million times, just using the keyboard tabbing to, to each next uh, field, form field, that, that's accessibility. Uh, and it's not, it's not also not difficult to implement. Um, and, and not by not doing that, uh, you, you're, you're making everyone else's experience uh, a lesser experience. Um, you know, I, I, I'm an Apple fan and I use the magic mouse, which charges on the back of it. Whenever my mouse, uh, mouse's battery depletes, I need to flip it upside down and and, and charge it. And then I'm, if I'm not using a, a laptop, I'm down to using my keyboard. If it's an accessible site or an accessible application, I can just use my keyboard and keep doing my job, uh, and I don't need a second mouse to, to 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 achieve what I was set out to do. Um, and 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 you were saying, you know, there's more and more applications out there that, that people use, and especially you know during the pandemic, um, you know education and, and and you know web shops and all of that um, are the you know the, the life and the internet is basically the lifeline of of, of what we can do uh, during during this time um, and, and even even things that seem trivial like you know um, I, I know someone who who is blind and uh, she was giving out about the fact that she has to use Tinder for dating, which is the probably one of the worst applications for dating but she has to use Tinder because that's the most accessible one out there um all the other competitor applications were just not just not good enough not up to the job
2: i i think it this actually goes back to what you mentioned at the beginning about um you know like what what you would do in person and what you wouldn't you know and what you would do online it's it, it's a lot of it comes down to that um you know, just not thinking about other people. You know, it's it's yeah. almost a, a you know to use harsh language. It's almost it's a selfishness um, that that people have. You know, even if and you know, some people might not realise. Um, and, and you know, they're not they're not be you know they're not explicitly setting out to build something that is excluding other people. But I think you know, not considering. Um and and not you know not like you said about you know, not educating yourself and not taking responsibility you know not you know not finding out what is the proper way to do this, um, it it is ultimately quite a selfish act.
3: Yeah, it, it is. Um, and and I think I think the the less you care about the the larger picture, the the less you lose lose uh, the ability to empathize, and I think. Um, You know, empathy is not something that everyone is born with. Uh, Some people need to learn it, but I think it's a skill that, uh, especially in the digital world, is it's very useful. You know, you see someone's you know someone's comment on Facebook that you don't agree with. um, You can disagree; it's okay to disagree, but you know, um, do it in a you know uh, in the style of a debate rather than a you know, an attack um, because you don't know where they come from. You don't know what they've done in their life. You don't know how they feel. Maybe they, they just feel down and they, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're they're exposing their frustration on the internet, which isn't great, but, you know, um, using empathy in the digital world is, is extremely important. Uh, it, it's one of the things that, that will, you um, will make you think twice before you share something, post something, act in any way on the internet.
1: Attila, I, I think that's really helpful. Not even, like, obviously I'm a complete novice when it comes to the, the tech side of this conversation, but I'm listening to you talk about um, like, like react, how you reacted to the additional needs. There, I found very interesting uh, and your response to that, we all have needs. And i think that's probably that's somewhere that surely that's the beginning of empathy like we come into that place so so i think we even so let me put what i where i know where i'm most comfortable is probably like in the church world say for example and for us to point out the finger and say they have additional needs or they're broken but actually the truth is we all have certain needs and we're all broken in a certain way and i think we are we're often so I, I just find that really interesting where you're going with that. I think it's it's actually just helpful to to think of that not just in the tech world, but I think beyond beyond the the tech world as well. I suppose again, while I'm listening, from an ignorant point of view, like what what's the reasons for that that huge number of people not having the accessibility that they need and deserve? Is it is it a lack of understanding? A lack of or is it, is it selfishness? Is it people have decided it's not worth the cost, it's not worth the energy, the time? What do you,
3: from your experience, do you know why that is? Um, there are a number of reasons, and 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 some of them, some of them are very very complex. Um, when the when the first web browser was created, and 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 Andrew can chime in here as well because he might actually have more uh, historical evidence to this than I would.
2: I don't remember it happening, if that's what you're implying.
3: Um, No, but you, 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 you know, you, you dabbled with the web before me. Um, But from what I know, um, you know, the, the web standard, you know, the, the standard that allows you to, to browse a web page currently on the, on the internet in a, you know, in the way that you do, uh, including accessibility from the very beginning. Um, so I think it was uh, Tim Berners-Lee who, who you know who started this whole thing. And uh, you know the the very origins of the web cared about everybody. But the 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 dirty detail is that you know you can the, the browser will will render that site even if it's not made accessible. So that you know, people caught on that. I don't have to do all these things just to show the website. So people, people kind of stopped doing it unless they were told to do it. Um, and, and because of course there, you know, there was a. Dot-com boom and, and everybody wanted a website. Of course, companies wanted to create websites quickly for their, for their clients and, um, it was, it was quicker to develop something that wasn't accessible than something that was because it didn't involve any research into what kind of users they had and, and so on and so forth um, and they could save money on, on that kind of uh, that kind of work and thus ended up in a situation where um, it you know they' these companies created then developers and designers who completely even forgot about accessibility. those went to other companies, and you see this, this perpetually uh, uh, you know, um, forget, forgetting the, to care about accessibility uh, created what we have today, a 98% inaccessible web. Uh, because you know, uh, even if every every day, I don't know how many applications and web apps are made, which is a lot, uh, still a lot of the Internet has been around. A lot of the websites have been around for many, many years. Uh, But the kind of the skills and the attitudes have been kind of passed on from engineer to engineer, from designer to designer, from one company to to the other company, uh, to the point where everybody kind of forgot that this is actually a thing, um, other than a a, a few who who cared and and kept caring. Now now it's on the upswing again, like the the companies are starting to pick up again. It's, It's, you know, we're going in the right direction now. But uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, that's why it happened. It's just uh, ignorance uh, at a massive scale.
1: Is there a standard, like, is there a standard that these companies have to to meet, or is it up to them? Is it their own decision whether how accessible they make their own?
3: There is there is a there is a standard and you know it's it's uh, the first of all you have the the HTML standard which is you know the web pages are based on and then you have the WCAG standard which is specifically for accessibility um, and and s- some of those things have been pushed by governments in various countries. Uh, as you know as the as the minimum requirement level for companies to reach but it was only on the government level so government websites have to adhere to that because it's you know it's a requirement to to provide something accessible but other than that there there wasn't until recently there wasn't and and to some extent there still isn't a law that forces companies to adhere to it
0: is there anything is there anything sort of around discrimination like even like a, a, you know your simple discrimination laws that would probably uh, come into that. I remember there was a lawsuit from someone who couldn't access. I think it was a pizza exp- pizza hut or something, Domino's or something like Dom- that. I think it was Domino's. Yeah, thing. they weren't able to, and the they brought a big lawsuit. Uh, I think they won the case as well, um, and that sort of put a big uh, set this set at it some sort of standard for the rest of them. I was in right? As it might actually cost you a lot more money, <laughs> you know, having to pay out in lawsuits. If yeah. uh, someone comes with a, you know, suit, you
3: know. yeah, then lawsuits happen, but um, you know, I when when I think of lawsuits, I, I think I, I think that while they're uh they're a good way to to raise awareness around accessibility on the web, I I also I also see like every tool being used the wrong way, uh, you know, growing the number of litigious people who you know just now find a, an excuse to to file a lawsuit and, and make money off of i i, I still believe much it's, it's much better to uh teach and educate in a in a kind way rather than in a in a way that you know you you kind of make them you push fear into companies to to achieve something that's that should be just just part of the natural design and development process of something you know if if companies act on fear rather than understanding what their users need then then we're not going in the right direction
0: no uh, and also uh, money has to play a big part of it as in what your clients are prepared to pay you um to build a website they kind of and you know it, it, maybe they want to have tons of ads on their website, which makes it very difficult for someone who's uh, got uh, accessibility needs, makes it difficult for them to browse it or to access that, but they need to bring the money in, so they're sort of pressuring you to, well, the money or budget needs to be spent on getting revenue in, Um, and then sort of the, the, if there is an accessibility thing, it's usually in like an add-on, and it's like one of those, you know, badly designed ramps into, into a building. Um, it's, it's not part, and I've, I do a wee bit of uh, web design. That's my job actually. Uh, so I do a fair bit of it, but, um, my, my experience has been, if you make things simpler, they're more accessible as in the more stuff you add, the more chance you're going to lose people. Um, uh, if you know, if you're, bringing in complicated uh coding and stuff uh but if you keep like you're talking about the html sorry neil uh but there's that sort of the structure and stuff keeping all that very simple i think it's a bit like building a building um and where you, if you keep things simple actually makes it things a lot more accessible um, but if you do if you've if you'd make a really nice shiny building, then you go, Oh, hold on a second. We need to, we need to allow people with wheelchairs to use it and stuff. Then everything is just added on. And, you know, uh, yeah, that's been my experience. And I think it's, I don't know if it's, it's not just the digital world, but, um, keeping things simple, uh, rather than trying to sort of, I suppose, design for ourselves, trying to think, Think about other people for a bit.
3: I, I do think that, that, that you know there's there's some truth in saying that simplicity is divine. Um, you know that it definitely helps achieve something accessible when you keep things simple. Um, now I, I've also seen that being brought up as an excuse not to do it. Um because I, I've seen designers and and developers say, yeah what i I, I want to build something complicated I want to build a complex web application I want you know all these features for my users and they're all valid requests to which my answer is you can still do it it just, it will just cost you more uh it, it, it takes time to to do the fancy and the complicated and still keep it accessible because you cannot you also cannot provide a complex and 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 you know high level experience to one type of user and then something you know uh, simplified down for the rest of the users who are disabled because that's that's a discrimination lawsuit right there. Uh, it, the same product has to work for both groups. Um, you can you can uh, I remember for a while there for a few years, I've seen websites having the accessible version, which was an absolute disaster to look at. It was accessible, in fairness, but it was just you know text and and uh, and links everywhere. I think there's um
2: there's a there's a local newspaper that I won't name who who have a, a website that is full of ads, and I don't even, I don't think it's an accessibility problem. I think it's a usability problem because there's so many ads on the page that it's actually very hard to read the news, uh, and that's one thing that gets easily missed. And a bit like what you were saying there, Paul, as well, you know, how you, you make it simple and, and it tends to be more accessible. It also tends to be more usable. Yes. You might have a desire to plaster ads all over, over your site. Maybe you, you really need to make the money. Um, but maybe you should look at other ways to make the money because that creates a really poor, poor experience for people just in general.
0: I tell the, um, We're talking as well about going away from our side of things to uh, everybody's side of things, which is communicating on Facebook and so on. And I don't know if you probably have a few thoughts around this, but I think people have got a wee bit more spice here over the last while, last couple of years, especially maybe lockdown has driven people a bit crazy, but people are getting a bit angry online and stuff. Have you got any thoughts around how we are do things better around communication?
3: Yeah, I mean, Facebook is is, is I suppose it's not the it's not the only one, but it's probably one of the main ones. Um, I remember when the, the first such platform I used was actually High uh, Five, and then I know a lot of people in the West don't know about it. It was fairly mid Eastern European thing. Uh, but it was basically Facebook before Facebook, um, and it, it's kind of funny because whatever people are complaining about Facebook now, it, the same was true 15 years ago uh, for for High Five as well. I haven't used Facebook in the last two years at all. Like I I deleted my account entirely. Um, and the the reason I did that was, was actually I was on a date with someone who was very much into into mindfulness, and uh, she she explained to me that, that she explained to me that there was at one point this some scientists made an experiment in a in a, in a some some remote tribe on some island I think, um, and they they just kind of watched their daily lives, and and this tribe would uh, randomly. At given times, though, uh, would just lie down on the ground, close their eyes, and 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 stay there for ten minutes, and then they would get up again and do their business. And they were asked, "Why are you doing this?" Uh, and and their their response was, um, "There's too much things happening, too many things happening around us. We need to we need to switch off for a little bit." Um, and, and she said, when you use Facebook or Instagram or any of these, these applications, you keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. That's, that's information bombarding your brain. You don't need all that information. Uh, that, that information actually exhausts you without realizing. It will, it will create mood swings. It will create, it will create situations that otherwise would not happen. Uh, simply because your brain just cannot take that much information and all, you know, it's not also not consistent information. Um, it, it's coming from all sorts of various unverified sources. Um, it, it's kind of like constant brain dumps from other people. Um, so it, it's no surprise that the, the way, the more, the more you use these platforms such as Facebook, um, the more the more you'll start behaving irrationally and, and I don't mean like you know becoming an absolute nut job but it, it just it, it, you will start you will start um behaving the way you not normally behave in in public in, in an actual group even at the pub even after five pints you wouldn't behave like that. You know the, the the social norms kind of get lost uh, online when when all this information gets hitting you all the time. Um, and I and I saw this at the beginning of the pandemic as well, when people were sharing all these uh these voice messages about how the pandemic is gonna happen, and you know you need to go buy toilet paper, you need to go buy bread, you need to go buy uh, this and that because my cousin's cousin's dog. Cousins caps said that, you know, this is when a lockdown is happening and everybody everybody's gonna be shut down in the house and you know the guardian will stand in the door and stuff like that. Um you know the misinformation misinformation just goes rampant.
0: So what about the misinformation? because uh, people might share something that they've seen. What are your what's your advice for making sure that what you're putting up, you can sort of stand behind, or you you you're sure it's it's coming from a factual point of view or whatever.
3: Yeah. Uh, data checking and fact checking is a, is a very difficult task. And I I think I, I think you know, um, back in the what was this the during the Edwardian era, and I'm going to make a kind of a parallel between electricity and internet now. In the Edwardian era, when electricity was fairly new thing um, a lot of electric electric electronic devices and electric devices uh, started popping up all over the place you know people started having uh, electrical wires in the house or various appliances Insulation was terrible or not at all like we've made a lot of mistakes when starting to use the electricity um, we're we're kind of doing the same with the internet, like Andrew said, you know, the internet has been there for a long time now. It's been there for about 10, 30 years, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's still in its infancy. So what we're living now is the kind of the, it's akin to the no insulated electrical wires in the house kind of internet, uh, where it's kind of a cowboy's world. it and, and it, it won't change very much in the very near future. I think this is this is the time when it becomes popular, everybody's on it, but it's not well regulated. It's hard to hard to understand what's real, what's not real, what information is correct, what isn't. It takes a lot of education to to help people understand what to use and how to use on the internet, where to source their information from. And unfortunately, education is kind of always uh, a little bit behind the reality because, you know, something has to happen for us to learn something from it and then pass that information on, that, that learning on uh, to others. So I, unfortunately, I, I think for the next even 10 or even 20 years, uh, it, we will still, there will be a lot of, uh, lot of weirdness going around the internet and uh you know, with deep fakes uh, being out there at the moment, that's a very popular thing that people like to play around with. But they also put it out there, so kind of messes with people's brains. I know my father, for example, he doesn't really quite get what the what a what an actual YouTube video is with actual information, and what a YouTube video is with fake information because it's just he for him it's all new. Um, you know, he's been using the YouTube YouTube for like a year. Um, so, I, you know, just like in the real world, when you go out on the street and somebody's grandmother says that, you know, you heard about this person and that person, what they did. Uh, you don't know if it's true or if it's not true. It's gossip. Um, it, it kind of comes down to you to decide, is my source of information really that reliable or not? The problem is that now this is everywhere. Everybody has a phone. So, you know, the information from that somebody's grandmother, uh, that old lady would probably travel a few houses or a couple of streets, uh, but now he travels around the globe. So, you know, the impact is higher.
2: You've reminded me of a story um, that I heard about Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. Um, So back, back in those early days of electricity, there um, tesla and edison were competing with two different types of electricity alternating current and direct current and edison tried to prove that tesla's alternating current was dangerous by running it through an elephant and killing it you know it's it's true it it was dangerous he killed the elephant but <laughs> that wasn't the whole truth And you're right that by, you know, we we're at that point with the internet where there's lots of half truths and misinformation out there.
1: And the thing about, the thing that I winds me up, so going back to your first point, Attila, common sense, good manners and education. Like there's too many people that I follow on Twitter that have none of those three things. (laughs) But But the problem is, is that there is absolute, there seems to be absolutely no consequences. To, and I don't know if you have anything to say to that, but there's, there's very little consequences for people, the language that people use, the, the tone, all of that sort of stuff that people use. There never seems to be any consequences for it. So people just keep on abusing people, using racially abusive language, because the consequences to doing that are so minimal that it, it's not a deterrent to people at all.
3: Is that fair to say? It it is, and unfortunately, this is part of that part of that cowboy world issue that we see on on the on the on the internet for the time being. And, and social media has ex- exasperated that problem. Mostly before social media, people communicated on forums uh, or chat rooms. And you know, I I as an, as, as a as a, a forum moderator back in the day. We'd have discussions that we would call flame discussion because people just started you know uh, bashing at each other's head you know in, in text. Um, and then we would tend to shut those down. But those were fairly small forums uh, where you know uh, 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 one, one or two moderators were able to, to kind of control things. Now you're dealing with, with the number of users that has reached in the billions. Um, so now you need automated systems that are not really that good, and you you can see that companies are, are are trying to some extent to to limit the damage, partly because they realize that they have to, and partly because there's uh, you know political push to do that because you know you you, you don't. A certain, certain country would probably not want certain kind of ideologies to spread uh, on, the, on the internet. But um, I, <laughs> there, there's no consequences because the, the, legal, the legal systems that we have currently don't really know. Like they're learning as well as we're learning how to use the internet. They're learning how to create consequences, I suppose, for, for misbehavior. Um, you're dealing with an unregulated kind of industry there. You know, the web isn't really regulated. It has a few basic rules and that's it. You can create a website and put whatever you want on it. Um,
2: I think you're starting to see things like, like Me Too and cancel culture as as, as some sort of outworking of, of, you know, a backlash against, you know, people saying whatever they want. However, that's... You know it is unregulated and it can go too far the other direction but uh, you know it's got to the point where there is a critical mass of people starting to speak out and maybe maybe that will start to have an impact but there there are definitely free speech concerns and i know, you know even from the church there are free speech concerns um you know in the past year there's been you know churches have talked about about their rights being taken away from not being able to meet in person, things like that. Um what what do you what do you
1: think I, bet, I better mute myself here first.
2: <laughs> I know. It, it's um I, I read something earlier, um I, I think I was just I was just randomly scrolling through Twitter like like a is advising us not to do. Um and someone talking about people who say they are being uh you know, they're being silenced and they're going on to you know good morning america to tell people how they're being silenced it's like that's that's not silenced you don't go on to breakfast tv if you <laughs> if you've been silenced um but yes yeah, so, so Atella, uh, that, that that thought about um freedom freedom of speech freedom of information because well the idea of moderating in a you know a small forum is good even even in those forums there were people who were always out against the moderators you know and and complaining that the moderators and and definitely there are forums where moderators had their own political leanings or you know their own opinions and and could moderate too heavily we we have computers doing moderation and they don't do a good good job where do we go
3: Right. Um, before I answer that, I have a question for Neil. Um, oh, this you're is sa- before. <laughs> 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 you're you're saying that the, there are all these people on 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 social media that you follow, uh, who have neither common sense nor don't don't seem to be educated, or have good manners. Question mm. is, why do you follow? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's
3: a, it's a- because this is this this is this is one of the solutions. Not give them the voice. If nobody's if, nobody, if people stop following them, then it, it, you know I, I don't want to go back to you know uh, World War, but you know uh, a, a lot of the a lot of the 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 bad directions we took in in politics over the last few hundred years um, were because somebody had an idea and they were. A lot of people who listened um, if people wouldn't have listened we would have never had the probably the two world wars that we had um, so you know when you follow someone who who then turns out to be not really that smart or good mannered or have having a lot of common sense unfollow them if you if you do need social media for some reason then then use fairly heavy handed filtering on everything that you get
1: yeah i suppose honestly i i probably asked that question more generally uh there's in terms of like those three criteria i find really helpful i don't think i do follow anybody that doesn't meet one of those three criteria my frustration what my personal frustration is attila which and that's where i probably should unfollow are those um probably that i think do know better that. Are educated that do have common sense, but they're starting to, to communicate to people that think differently than they do, that look differently than they do, and then hiding behind this stuff that Andrew's talking about the freedom of speech, and that causes I, that. And honestly, it causes me real upset whenever I see people that I think they're they're sort of in many ways they're representing the sort of the faith that I sort of would ascribe to, but this what how they're communicating to people who are. Different than them and think differently, and then hide behind rights, hide behind freedom of speech. I honestly find it incredibly. Uh, I do find it. It's almost so destroying, and I should like. You're right. It probably shouldn't fall, but it's almost hard to. It's almost hard to miss it at times.
3: Yeah, I understand, and 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 it's yeah. I've seen it. It's very very common to for people to to kind of hide behind free speech, but. And, of course, there's there's legal variations of what free speech means as well from country to country, but to me, me it really comes down to, yes, you should have free speech in the sense that you should be allowed to articulate your view on something, in fact, anything, in a civilized manner. You can disagree, and I, I actually... I love discussions where a lot of people disagree with other people, because those are the most colorful discussions you can have. When everybody agrees, it's a, it's a boring conversation. It's like talking to yourself.
0: You ever um, be the speaker's corner, Attila? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking um, about in London? It's amazing. So they would have uh, people stand, you, you have to bring a little podium to stand on and you get to talk about whatever it is you want. And there's lots of, uh, it's very controversial, but the, it's very structured, you know, because people are able to, they give, they give their speech and then they have to hear the retorts and stuff and the, the, um, reactions and answer the answer to that. But they get a chance to, to enact their freedom of speech, but then they have to face the consequences of it. Um, yeah. so it's like, okay, well we have a right of speed, freedom of speech, but, but we also, um, need to make sure that we're prepared for the consequences for it um, yeah, and then the, so it's and not the- just it's, i feel sometimes that online at its worst is almost like a digital version of throwing stones at people you know it's like you know the, the old the old medieval way of stoning people so you, you don't get hurt you inflict the stuff and you're in a safe place um and I think it's at at its worst, I think that's what the internet is a bit like. Um, it,
3: it 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 is, and and that's 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 largely because um, well, it has been ex- exasperated by the pandemic because people spend a whole lot more on the web and applications, social media, than they would spend with their actual friends or relatives or whoever else.
0: Yeah, and it's a confusing time as well. I think everybody's probably trying to figure out answers and stuff and.
3: Yeah, but, but see, this is where education comes in again. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much in, in, in schools here people are, or children are taught how to have a debate rather than a, you know, a shout at each other. Uh, because debates are very, very interesting um, as, as, as long as you know how to express your view. Um, I think it really does come down to just not attacking the other person. You know, you can completely disagree, and you know th- there are very controversial topics in the world. Um, but as-, as long as you're you're able to put your forward your view in a way that doesn't offend, um, and you make sure that first of all everybody understands that this is your view and you're expressing it based on the information you have. Um, I, I think most people will, will find find that, uh, you know, easy to, fairly easy to, you know, uh, respond to. Uh, and when you have factual evidence, I, I think people should also make sure that, you know, the evidence supports their their views. Um, saying the, the earth is flat, for example, and then not being able to show any evidence for it. You know, what you can well, have the view. You tell and- me it's not flat. <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's flat. I'm <laughs> not saying it isn't. Uh, all I'm saying is that a view that you know uh, tries to uh, convey something that they believe is factual, it needs to be supported by facts.
1: Yeah. So Atella, I, I was on, I spoke in our on Zoom on Sunday morning, and uh, over Twitter and social media, somebody sent me a message to say that they disagreed with what I said. But the great thing was, and what I'm hearing from you, and what I what I think we touched on a little bit in our conversation last week as well, is that. It's something that I think we really need to get better at in, in terms of how we d- to disagree and debate well and disagree well. So so he, the, the, what I appreciated was that he communicated to me why he disagreed with what I said. He didn't send me a YouTube clip of somebody. He he sent me a well thought out reason of why he disagreed and it led to such healthy debate and I didn't change his mind and he certainly didn't change my mind, but it was a, it was a, it was an incredibly healthy debate and I really appreciated I I think I valued the disagreement that I had between him rather than somebody saying that was really good. What are you doing next? You know what I mean? So yeah. I really valued that. And so Peter last week was telling communicating this idea of sitting or getting a tea, buying a cup of tea for somebody that you disagree with and being able to sit and communicate that. And so like that's what I desire for not only for technology, but for, for humanity, for life in general, that we could just do that so so much better, you know.
3: Yeah, and, and it's funny because technically, you know, social media such as Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever else people use would be a great medium to to exercise this ability to debate. Um, you know, it, it could be the exact opposite of what these platforms are at the moment. Um, but if we don't educate people from, from a young age, to, to use these tools, because at the end of the day, they are tools uh, that can be used the right way or the wrong way. Um, then, then, you know, I, I think we're kind of predisposed to using them the wrong way.
2: Yeah, that's really good. I think we'd probably be a good place to, to stop and wrap up. But before we go, I think Neil has a very important so, question to
1: ask. It's a, it's a vital question. Okay. I don't think, I don't know how the boys have prepped you for this, Tilla, but I, uh, I always like to find out what people are reading, listening to, or watching uh, that they could recommend to me selfishly, but also to those listening in.
3: Okay. Um, uh, what have I watched lately? Um, unfortunately, this will be difficult for you to watch because it just so happens that I watched a TV series that was in Romanian. I haven't watched anything in ages that was in Romanian. And this was, this was it. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, well, translated the title is shadows. Uh, and it's about, uh, it's about, uh, it's about the father, uh, who kind of falls into, a, a, uh, into a bad gang of drug dealers and, and stuff like that. And, uh, well, it, you know, it's a little bit like. Have you seen Love Hate, the the TV series? Yeah, mm. it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Um, or RT one of those. Um, but anyway, it's it's kind of the Romanian version of Love Hate. Um, I'm, I'm I was sometimes wondering if they were kind of inspired by that. Uh, in, in terms of reading, I actually have to say, I'm I haven't really kind of finished a book in ages. Um, Reading, not writing? Yeah, I I write a whole lot more than I read. (laughs) It's weird. And uh, in in terms of music, I actually discovered this band the other day, the Lathams. Um, I think they're English, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It's it's alternative uh, pop rock kind of thing. They're they're quite they're quite good. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot find any vinyl records, so I'm a bit uh, a bit late to the party. But
1: yeah, so I'll brush up on Romanian and check out Shadows.
3: Yeah, it's uh yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, I can send you on the link later. I'm not sure if they if they have any subtitles on it. If you like subtitles, then then no, it's probably watchable.
0: Is it called Umbre?
3: Yeah, is that's really? the one. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's just popped up in Wikipedia. Apparently, there is you can get us English subtitles
3: or something for it. Yeah, interesting. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's it's very good. I actually enjoyed it. It looks pretty dark from the poster. It is fairly dark um, and it's fairly explicit. So if you're not into that, then then maybe avoid it.
1: Before before the boys uh, finish up, until I although this isn't my specialized subject, I really enjoyed that. Really appreciated your. Uh, your wisdom and some of your thinking around this uh, i do think there's parallels to what you're saying with other walks of life which i think are really interesting for uh, for us all to wrestle with so thank you thank you thank you for coming on
3: thank you for having me
1: talk soon
0: ordinary people was hosted by neil dawson it was produced edited and engineered Andrew Griffin and Paul Woods. Head over to OrdinaryPodcast.com for show notes, links, previous episodes, and all the ways you can contact the show. See you next time.